Good morning. Isn't it a joy to come and, and worship the Lord this time of year? Isn't it great just to be in His house? I'm so glad that, that uh, we have musicians, the choir, and the, the, uh, the ensemble, all the instrumentalists. They, they, they certainly contribute to our opportunity to worship the Lord this Christmas season. We're grateful for them and to Lynn for the, for the, the drama of being a shepherd as well. That's, uh, it, that was very well done and it's encouraging. Um, <clears throat> As we begin this morning, I want to share with you a, a story that, a, uh, that, I, that I read that a, a, a missionary in India used to share to try to help the people he was, he was reaching understand the incarnation, the fact that God would become man. What a concept to try to, to, to fathom and to understand. Um, we, we, uh, I, I was introduced this morning to, to a missionary family that is with us today, the Addisons. I just want to welcome you and thank you for, for being a part of our worship service as well from Thailand and uh, look forward to getting to, to know them. The, uh, uh, the missionary to India said that in, in, in sharing about the, the, uh, the incarnation, that he would tell a story about a father and a son taking a walk. And he said that the, uh, that the father had a walking stick and that, uh, that he and the son were, were, were making a journey down the road. And, and the son finally, finally asked, Dad, when, when can I have a chance to hold the stick, right? I mean, that would be something you'd want to do if you were a child, right, wanting to hold the stick. And so for a while, his dad kept track of the stick. But then uh, finally he said, okay, son, you can, you can, you can walk for a little bit with, with the stick. And so the boy's walking with the stick. And of course, he's using it for everything but walking, right? I mean, he's, uh, he's hitting the bushes with it as, they, as he goes by the road. And he sees some, some, uh, some little uh, rocks that are along the side. And he decides he's going to use it for golf and everything, everything but for walking. And uh, as he's going down the road, he sees this big ant pile. I grew up in Galveston County, Texas, and I can tell you, I have seen some big ant piles before. Well, he came across one there in, in India, I suppose, and he decided he'd use the stick, and he began to, to just knock that pile around, and, and uh, it went everywhere, and he stopped, and he just saw that these ants were just scattering everywhere. And it was as if it, it dawned on him what he had just done. He had just messed up their home, and uh, he felt bad about it. And he said, Dad, look what I, I just did. I, I messed up. I messed up the place they live and now they're all over. And he said, I, I really feel bad about that. He said, Dad, could, could you tell the ants that I'm sorry? His dad said, son, there's a lot of things that we can do. But one thing is that we can't is we can't communicate with these ants. They don't they don't know our language. We don't know how to communicate with them. If I were going to be able to communicate with these ants, I'd, I would have had to have been born as an ant to be able to. To communicate with them. And so the missionary would share this story as a way to help the people understand what it meant for God to become man. Particularly thinking about a culture and a context, uh, understanding that, that, a, that a deity would become a human. And in some parts of the world, that would just be incomprehensible. And yet that's what the Christmas message is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. And throughout this Christmas season, we have been looking at, at accounts surrounding the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. We've looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we saw how the angels uh, informed them of, of their special uh, opportunity to be the parents of John the Baptist. We looked a couple of weeks ago at, at the, uh, the angel also communicating to, to Joseph and Mary about, about what was going to take place in their lives. Well, today we're going to see that the angels have 
another group of people to communicate with, and that, in this case, is the shepherds. And uh, we're going to see in Luke chapter 2 this morning uh, a, a, a portion of the birth narrative. We're going to see uh, from Luke's perspective what took place. And so much that we could pull from that. In fact, there's a lot of different angles that we could take in a, uh, an approach at Luke 2. But I want us to, this morning, think of it from the perspective of the shepherd. And as I said, Lynn has already done a great job in helping us to understand, you know, what it would have been like to be out that night and, and be, a, be approached by, by an angel and be, be spoken to and, and all that they would have, would have experienced. I know it's a passage that we've read countless times, but this morning let's, let's seek the Lord together and ask Him to, to give us something from His Word that would spur our worship and our adoration this Christmas season. We're going to see, first of all, that the shepherds, they're God's kind of people. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Let's begin reading in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Very interesting passage as we get the description surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ the occasion, the situation, where they were located, why they were there, where he was born. And then it's as if there's somewhat of a, of a, of a switch with verse 8. A little bit of a different theme. All of a sudden we're talking about shepherds. And we'll see why in just a moment as we continue reading in Luke chapter 2. But before we do that, let's think for a minute about the shepherds. What comes to mind when you when you think of shepherds? Do you do you think of uh, these uh, uh, young boys sitting around singing songs by a campfire? Is that the the image that you sometimes have of a shepherd? Uh, when we lived uh, when we lived in Greece, there were uh, uh, there wasn't a lot of of uh, different crops that they could grow and a lot of not a lot of animals that they could raise in the southern part of of the mainland where we were. It was just so arid. But uh, they certainly could grow olives. There were olive trees all around. They could grow grapes with some irrigation. But the, uh, there weren't cattle, uh, but there were flocks of sheep. And uh, even today, uh, as you would go through the, the, the little roadways outside of the city, um, you will find uh, shepherds tending tending the sheep and it's it was always so striking to me coming out of the midwest and of course being more around cattle and and other animals you're not used to seeing someone with a group of animals all the time but uh not far from where we were we lived by the airport there was some some rural areas and uh they still employed shepherds in fact they would build uh 
these small little houses. And in fact, most of them uh, today that are that are shepherds in uh, that part of Greece are immigrants that have been hired on that would that would that would come and and be, uh, you know, on for several days at a time, sleeping right next to the sheep and and uh, taking them to other places, looking for some pasture uh, where they could find it. And so we, we 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 saw that ourselves. And and yet you think back in time, what would have it been like? These are people that would have been isolated from from everyday life. Uh, for the most part, they would have they would have been on the outskirts of town. If there were holidays, they probably were were hearing the families gathering and and singing while they were uh, on the hillsides outside of town. They were they were away from people, oftentimes by themselves, just with the with the sheep. It, it wasn't the the type of job that that most people would have would have sought after. They they they, they wouldn't have have wanted to to uh, to have this this occupation. And yet here we see that the shepherds are the first ones, as we'll read in a minute, to hear the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. The shepherds, not the influencers of the age. God could have sent His angels anywhere, couldn't He? He could have sent His angels to anyone, couldn't He? But for some reason, God chose to send His angels, the messengers, to the shepherds. Now, He could have sent them to Rome, Think about the, the day in which they were living, the Roman Empire. All of the, the politicians and the, 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 the power people of the day would have been found in Rome. Or maybe he could have sent the angels to, to Athens. And they could have gone there to the Areopagus where the, where the philosophers gathered. The deep thinkers, those in pursuit of wisdom. And the angels could have talked to the philosophers. But he didn't send them to the politicians. He didn't send them to the philosophers. In fact, he didn't even send his angels to Jerusalem. At least not in this account with the, with the announcement, did he? That's where, the, that's where the, uh, the priests were, but they weren't the first ones to get not this announcement. But Jesus was first told, he was first told about to the shepherds. Sometimes what we consider to be the most important matters on earth, or the most important places on earth, and many times are not the most important to the Lord. Let me say it this way. Sometimes what we would consider insignificant on the earth is very significant in heaven. God had a message. He had a message that He wanted to proclaim to the world. And He chose to go to the common, everyday person. He could have gone to the kings, to the politicians, to whoever he wanted to. But he chose the shepherds because he knew that he was sending a Messiah, a Savior who would be for all the world. Not just for one group, not just for one class, not just for for one location, but for all people everywhere. It's extremely significant that these humble shepherds would be the ones to hear the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who go quickly to Bethlehem and are the first to get to see Him. God came to them in the most desolate of locations, doing the humblest of tasks. They may, might have been the last place that from a human viewpoint you would have expected God to be. But in this account we discover the heart of God and we see the meaning of the birth of His Son Jesus, coming for people, coming for His people, for God's kind of people, the shepherds. They became the symbol for the kind of people Jesus 
came to save. And isn't that good news for you and me? It's good news that He came for all, even us, that we could identify with the shepherd. Now, throughout the Scriptures, there's, there's a lot of imagery re- related to the shepherd and to the sheep, isn't there? You can go back into the, the age of, of David, being a, a young shepherd boy at one time. You can think of the 23rd Psalm that he wrote uh, about the Lord being his shepherd. You can think back to Isaiah 53, which says that we, like sheep, have all done what? We've got, all gone astray. And that's, that's exactly why sheep need shepherds, right? Because they're, they're prone to wander. They're, they're prone to, to, to missing the, uh, the direction, to, to going a little too far, to being away from the group. And, and so the, they have some needs, and it's the shepherd that comes alongside. And so that's the picture of the shepherd caring for the sheep. We see the predicament of man in the sheep. But we see the provision of God and the shepherd. So think about those shepherds. Think about our shepherd. In fact, Jesus is called the good shepherd in the book of John. In the book of First Peter, he's called the chief shepherd. So he is a shepherd himself, isn't he? But he's unique in the sense that Our shepherd, Jesus, did something absolutely unique and that the shepherd became a lamb. Think about that in the context of God becoming man, the shepherd becoming a lamb. The sheep were used in the Old Testament sacrificial system. In fact, if you were here with us last week when when Mark Grossman uh, shared the story of creation to Christ, did you enjoy that? Hearing him just take 12 to 13 minutes to go from creation to the birth of Christ. Well, you remember early on in in the account that he gave, he talked about Abraham and his son Isaac. And he talked about the command for a sacrifice. Do you remember that? And do you remember the words of Isaac? Dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? We don't know how old he was. Maybe it was daddy. Daddy, help, help me find the lamb. Where's the lamb? Well, that was the question, really, of the Old Testament. Every time that the sacrificial system was employed and, and blood was spilt and, and, and something lost its life for the sins of another, it was a picture of a coming lamb. As Hebrews would later tell us, the sacrifice for all the world. One sacrifice. So the Old Testament says, where is the Lamb? But then John the Baptist, who we heard about a couple of weeks ago, would say in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Where is the Lamb? Behold the Lamb. Shepherds, sheep, the shepherd becoming a sheep. Do you see the imagery that we have here? He is the good shepherd who became a lamb. So as we think about shepherds, we know they were God's kind of people. Common, everyday, hard-working people. Not the elite, not the wealthy, not the politically motivated. They were the common person. And yet we see, secondly, that these were the people 
who were witnesses of God's glory. Let's begin reading in verse 9. Imagine, as Lynn has already helped us to try to see what it would have been like that night to be approached by an angel. And as Lynn said, it was uh, it's too late to not be afraid, right? <laughs> too late when the angel shows up speaking. Verse 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel... A multitude, try to envision this, a multitude of the heavenly host, possibly thousands upon thousands, filling the sky, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. What an amazing account. The Bible says here that, that the glory, look at verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone around them. You know, the glory of the Lord is a phrase used throughout the Old Testament to speak of the visible manifestation of God in a particular location. You can think that at times it was like a cloud, like a pillar, like a cloud that would be before them. It would be present at, at, the, at, the, at the sacrifice in the temple, the cloud being there at the Holy of Holies. It was a reminder of the visible presence of God among them. But then what happened? You remember the word Ichabod? You remember a child being born whose name was given Ichabod? Ichabod meaning the glory has departed. The glory of God and the visible manifestation of His presence for a time was not, not, not there. And just think about being part of that time where God's presence was no longer visibly seen, but that there was an expectation that He would come. There was a longing, there was a waiting they went for centuries. But then when the glory of the Lord returned, where do we see that it comes to? It comes to a hillside with sheep and shepherds. And this glory of the Lord returns. This time, surrounding angels. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
What an amazing experience for them to be a part of. In John's account of the birth narrative, we know that it's a little, it comes at it from a little different perspective, more of a cosmic perspective, if you will. And in John chapter 1, he speaks of the glory of God as well. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the shepherds got to experience the glory of God with these angels coming before them and saying, I bring you good tidings. This idea of good tidings is what we would call good news. They're bringing a good, a good message. They're bringing the gospel message that a Savior has been born. In fact, Luke 2, verse 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What an amazing thing it must have been to hear the angels proclaim this, to light up the air, to praise God, for Christ the Lord had come. After centuries of waiting for a promise to be fulfilled, this was the night. This was the time in which God's glory would return, His promise would be fulfilled, and it would be shared with the shepherds. Verse 13, a multitude of the heavenly host. Folks, I don't know that we can quite get in our minds what it would have looked like. This idea of a heavenly host is is really military terms being used to try to describe what it would have looked like when that sky was filled up with thousands, likely upon thousands, of heavenly angels. For some reason, these shepherds were afraid, right? What does the King James Version say? They were sore afraid, right? I mean, you're talking... I mean, can you imagine... One moment you're here with the little sheep on the outskirts of town, and then all of a sudden you are being spoken to by one of God's messengers. It's terrifying. But they said not to be afraid. They were an angelic army, not waging a battle to cause death, but bringing a message of life. Saying in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Think, for so many centuries, God's people, the people of this earth had not been at peace with God. You think of all the Old Testament sacrificial system uh, requirements and what it, what it meant to try to have peace with God for sin. And yet now the angels are proclaiming that peace is coming. That peace between humans and God can now be achieved because there is a one who is both God and humanity. The Messiah child has been born coming to bring peace. In 1861, 
Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lost his wife in a fire. The Civil War broke out. A couple years later, his son, who was fighting in the Civil War, was seriously wounded. It was a time that was tumultuous. In fact, if you think about the day that we live in for just a moment, don't we live in a day where people are looking for peace? Have you been listening to any of the debates that have been taking place with those who want to be president of the United States? One last night with Democratic contenders, one earlier in the week with Republican contenders. What's one of the main themes that they keep talking about? Security, peace. Look around at the world we live in. Look at what's happening. Yes, out there. We can think about the Islamic State and what is happening and in that part of the world and, and where, 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 where things are happening over there. In fact, I read this morning that, that even in the southeastern part of Turkey, there was, there was a disturbance that, that, that caused a hundred people, I believe, if I, if I got all the information right, uh, to die. This terrorism that we now see is no longer just out there. It's here, isn't it? Thinking about what happened in San Bernardino just a couple of weeks ago, the beginning of December. This is, this is terrorism on our soil. These are things being done in the, the name of Allah to, to bring about terror and fear and insecurity. And we're living in that day and it's, it's, it's reality for us. And of course we look to leaders to say, what can you do to help? What policies can you have to help keep us and our children safe, right? That's a very, very uh, uh, basic responsibility of government is to be able to provide safety for citizens, right? We, we have that expectation and we should and we honor those who do. Thinking about the police, you think about those who serve in the, in the military. These, these are all components that I think demonstrate that we live in a world that does not have peace. But we sure want it, don't we? We want that security. Well, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was in the days of the Civil War. And listen to what he wrote. In fact, I heard it sung just yesterday. These are the words he wrote at his desk on Christmas Day. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. And mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. He was reminded that the circumstances around him did not dictate God's ability to save, God's ability to care. Can you think how that day he needed to be ministered to? 
as one who was a widower living in the days of the Civil War, whose son was injured. What what might you be thinking this Christmas season? I'm fully aware that there are people in our congregation right now that are going through times of difficulty. I was remembering just this week that there are some in our congregation that are approaching the Christmas holiday for the first time, having lost a spouse this year. Children, grandchildren. We had a funeral just yesterday for for Lee White's grandmother. I was able to go back briefly to Kansas City to be a part of that. and, And thinking about families going through times where they're still experiencing loss. Maybe it's been a difficult year financially. Or maybe you have a child. A child who's going a different direction than you'd like to see them go. They're going against the ways of the Lord and, and you fear for, 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 for where they're headed. Maybe you've had a, a, a diagnosis that's been very difficult to understand. Maybe the treatments have been painful. Folks, this is the time that that we are in. And there are people among us that are suffering and hurting. And I think that we can be reminded, as Henry was, that God is with us. Today might be a day not only for worship and celebration, it might also be a day of clinging to the Lord. Drawing near to Him. Saying, Lord, you know the needs in my life. You know what's heavy on my heart. You know what, where I am and what I'm going through. And and I just want to come close to you and ask for you to help bring me through this time. Peace on earth. We know that that's sometimes a difficult statement to say. But we have one who is known as the Prince of Peace. One whom we can call to and cling to. Let's wrap this up. Verse 15. So it was the angels had gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Let me very quickly say this. The shepherds didn't doubt it. They didn't ignore it. They didn't debate it. What did they do? They heard And they went. There are some people on this Christmas season that are going to stay out in the fields. They're going to hear, but they're not going to come. They're going to ignore, they're going to debate, they're going to do other things. But look at the shepherds. The ones who respond with action. And in verse 16, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. Can you imagine... What it would have been like. They've already seen the glory of the Lord through the angels, but now they're seeing the face of the newborn Son of God. Well, their lives would forever be changed. Changed lives. Verse 17, when they had seen Him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So what did they do? They had to tell people what they had witnessed, right? These shepherds were now proclaiming 
what they had experienced and seen. Verse 18, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You know, if you've really met Jesus, I don't think you can help but say something about it. These shepherds had been to the cradle and they couldn't help but tell about it. Brothers and sisters, we have been to Calvary. And we can't help but tell about it. How has your life been changed by Christ? The lives of the shepherds were changed forever. They would never be the same. And you and I, we saw that our sins went to the cross at Calvary. That we would be forgiven. That we would be set free. That we would be considered a child of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. No, we will never, ever be the same. Those first evangelists weren't professionals. They weren't scholars. They weren't philosophers. They were common, everyday people. Yet their lives were changed. And they went to tell others about it. They were proclaimers. But let's not miss the last part of verse 20. Because they were also worshipers. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Folks, do we know that Christ is still in the business of changing lives? He is still reaching everyday people in common situations. He came to live among us to reveal His identity to us. That we also could see Him in His glory and have the opportunity to know Him and to worship Him. Would you bow with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have disclosed Yourself to us. We thank You that You wanted us to know You personally. And that Your solution was to send Your Son. Father, we thank You for the faithfulness of those shepherds. We thank You for the message of the angels. But beyond all of that, we thank You for the reality of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that we that we too can be changed. That we can live lives that proclaim what we have seen, what we have experienced. And may we also be worshipers. Father, continue to bless this worship season. Bless this worship service. We ask, Lord, that you will take the gifts that are given now and use them. Use these tithes and offerings for your purpose and for your glory. And may you be at the forefront of our minds. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.